Shalom. It is Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with a another exciting episode where we will discuss Bible truth and history. You probably heard I have a little bit of a different intro uh, than what I did in times past, and that is uh, just decided to throw in one of a uh, part of a track of what I'm recording here and have been working on for the last uh, year and a half and trying to get down to the bottom of it. I'm waiting for some instrumentation. Uh, yet, and then that, the project will be done. I'm actually, I started out to try to do one CD, and it's ending up going to be probably be two. So, and such it is. Uh, today I'm going to discuss uh, just briefly some, I guess, my thoughts of the situation in the last uh, month, two months, or whatever in the, in the United States. It's something that's, um, I generally don't do a lot of, you know, political type commentary. It's not really my my thing. And um, I don't know that I have a particular truth or something about um, or an opinion even that really matters. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have their opinions and form their opinions. And so what can you do about it? But I guess some of the questions that I've been uh, pondering in my head is how should Christians respond to kind of uh, what has been coined political uh, or Christian um, nationalism, where we kind of conflate patriotism with nationalism. And um, that's a tricky one. Um, honestly, it's quite tricky because we often, I think historically, you know, we look to our leaders to provide us security and safety and to lead us in times of crises. And uh, the world's kind of gone in a different direction. There's a lot of uh, just political awareness and a lot of lobbying. And the civil rights movement was, uh, of course, very effective and good uh, for the country. But it kind of uh, kind of set it a sta- set the stage and the tone that if you campaign loud and hard and long enough, people will hear you. Which is not a problem, of course, in the when the causes are good. But when the causes are bad, it seems to seems to kind of go sideways. And that's a little bit what I think is going on in the world today. There's just been so much campaigning and so much uh, pressure to uh, get people of different lifestyles, whatever, to conform those who don't live that way. And it's really, uh, it's going to make it more challenging, definitely as a believer, to live amongst uh, that kind of a society that, that vilifies kind of vilifies uh, Christianity, vilifies Christian principles, uh, sees it as outdated, old, um, relegated to history. Uh, You know, they they would use the term, we live in a post-Christian world. Um, And I agree with that in general. I think that concept of Christianity that had endured for so many years um, seems to kind of be fallen by the wayside. There's different views, whether that's positive or negative, and I guess in some ways it's positive, in some ways it's negative. I mean, the positive side of it is that the Christianity of yesteryear was often very uh, ruthless, very heartless, and uh, there wasn't a lot of expression of love, that God really loved his people or loved creation. It was all really more more of uh, you know God as this great authority up above with a big stick trying to beat people. It was kind of more of the concept of who God was, and, and God has changed that. And today, I'd say we've gone to the point now that God, you know, so loves people 
that he could never be angry with anybody, really, because Jesus so overcame all of that that, you know, now we basically just live in clouds and, and rainbows. And that's also not accurate. And uh, and it's it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for believers to get so caught up into uh, trying to um, discern who God is, I guess, in some ways. We know that he's so infinitely beyond anything we can imagine that it's so hard to put it. But, you know, we, we reach out. We want to know. We want to know. I mean, we're putting our lives uh, in the hands of a belief that is basically based on things uh, unseen and basically follows things that have recorded history. And uh, makes it challenging. You know, I'm uh, thinking about doing a series, a uh, video series, where I just put on a website. Where it's kind of a beginner course for believers to kind of give them a, a roots introduction, um, a Hebraic roots introduction to the faith, where it came from, the concept, the expectation, and how Jesus is going to fulfill that, and how we as Gentiles fall into that, uh, into that picture which is unbelievable. I mean, what God has planned for us in the future is, is quite spectacular. And so I'm, I look forward to what God is going to do yet. How do we balance it? Like, how do we balance, um, how do we balance the, the nuance needed in this day and age, you know, where we're confronted with issues like Christian nationalism, where people have kind of confused Christianity with, uh, a political movement or party and, and it's become this big thing. And then the opposite in response, you know, is pushing a very uh, anti-Christian agenda and makes it challenging as a believer because there are some people who look at that as, oh, that's great. You know, people on the left uh, look at what the current administration is doing and, oh, this is good. This is what God wants. And there's people on the right, of course, probably more than on the left, who are Christians who would say it's awful. It's unbelievable. And so what do we, how do we respond? How do we respond as believers? How do we respond in, in these types of scenarios? I was shocked and I was sharing with different people, but I was shocked at the response um, that I saw coming out of the church. I just, with this whole election thing, it brought an ugliness out that I, I really didn't care to see. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, my head's still kind of spinning with it because, you know, people try to spin it as some kind of spiritual thing or, you know, is a spiritual this or, you know, is, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. It's one of those great question marks is, you know, we can all have our political opinions, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, it just seemed confusing to me. Um, it seemed confusing in how people reacted, and, and um, starting with the the prophecies uh, that people had given about Trump becoming elected. I mean, I'm I'm always very questioning. I question that stuff a lot. So when it happens, I I really don't uh, respond very quickly to that sort of things. If God wants it, so be it. I remember the the absolute improbability of Trump becoming president the first time. And uh, seemingly for a time like this, that that God could do it. But yeah, I remember the controversy in churches back then that people would there was a, there was real concern that Christians just couldn't vote for the guy because of his track record. And what kind of baffles me is four years later. I mean, 
you know, he was, he was, um, from a policy standpoint, uh, business standpoint, trade deals, that sort of thing. He did an excellent job rhetoric, uh, the way he divided the country with his, with the way he talked and rhetoric and Twitter and all that stuff. That's an entirely different discussion. And I think it's unfair to say that Trump, uh, was kind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was not kind at all. He was, um, he was very unkind. I mean, we might like, uh, you know, for the supporters, I should say we, I mean, okay, I did vote for him in 2016. Um, and for some people that, you know, they'll unfriend me for that one. At the end of the day, it, it doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you're just voting for who you think can do the best for what, you know, for the country and for what's, you know, my, my thing reason I had voted for him in 2016 was because I felt here's a guy who's not a politician who can maybe for once do some some common sense transactional stuff that needs to be done in Washington, get rid of some of the red tape and the bureaucracy, which is exactly what Trump did. But what he brought with him uh, that I didn't quite expect was just the the onslaught of rhetoric and 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 stretching the truth. You know, he he used hyperbole all the time. Uh, to stretch the the truth, and it's for someone like me, I'm a sarcastic type person. I can be, I should say, and and for somebody like me, I look at that and I can see through that. I can I can you know whatever I can see through that type of stuff. It doesn't bother bother me like it does some people. But very very quickly and very obviously, Trump you know caused a lot of division in the country. Uh, he spoke up for a segment of the people that were kind of forgotten in the country and uh, caused a lot of fervor, a lot of zeal, a lot of energy uh, behind his MAGA movement and um, seemingly hard after God to a degree. When I say that, I'm not going to say that he loves God. I'm going to say he pursued some things that uh, presidents didn't dare uh, touch, and to me, they're very positive things. That was to establish an embassy in Jerusalem, as Congress had voted to do many, many, many years before. Recognizing the Golan Heights, things like that, uh, brokering some some really great peace deals in the Middle East. Those are all tremendously com- uh, commendable accomplishments, uh, worthy of Nobel Peace Prize, Prizes. Uh, uh, very very easily so, but just because of his character, there's no way. He's an outsider. He's not a politician. And uh, that kind of that kind of uh, scenario is just not a possibility, I guess, in, in America. And I, you know, in some ways, I, I, have, I have friends in different uh, persuasions. I have friends who uh, would be, uh, they'd be centrists, and I have friends who would be more, They'd be leftists. I don't really have any extreme left friends. Uh, I mean, I would know of some, but most of the people in my circles, people I'm around, people I rub elbows with, are your mild, uh, mild liberal, or mild leftist to your, you know, to your right. I'm not going to say extreme, but you get you get closer to it. So, you know, my my view can be skewed, but I, you know. There's this grand argument in politics, and it's really the collective versus the individual and uh, the pres- preservation of, of status quo. And I would classify myself more as a cons- uh, I'm a conservative in the sense that I'm a constitutional conservative. 
I don't identify with the Republican Party. I don't identify with the Democratic Party. I don't actually identify with any party. I'm registered to vote. I would call myself an independent, and the reason for that is I don't believe that the answer for humanity is actually in a party. Uh, I do believe that it's important for us as Christians to not be swayed. Um, right now, the Republican Party does hold to more of a traditional worldview and a traditional Christian worldview, and are friendly to that kind of environment, but that doesn't mean that that's what they always were. So it makes it difficult makes it difficult to understand um, what the best course of action is. I mean, there's people people I've been around, I mean, they were convinced Trump's going to win. They were convinced there's all sorts of fraud. They're convinced that the election was stolen. They're convinced of pretty much all that narrative uh, that's been floating around in, in uh, the Internet that people have been having to crack down on just because it's just, it's so hard uh, to know the truth. In today's world, you look at online sources and everybody's talking. You've got podcasts everywhere, <laughs> including mine. You've got YouTube videos trying to convince you. And, you know, because they're professionally done, it's like, well, look, it's professional. It has to be true. And you've got internet sources and there's all kinds of just information. We've never had it in human history where we've had this kind of, uh, plethora of information. So it's been challenging for governments to figure out how to control it. You know, in times past, uh, it was just different. The type of accountability you have today where you have instant news, like nobody can do something without a cell phone having captured it. And the accountability of governments to, uh, to monitor, I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities for them to exploit technology to spy on the citizenry to uh to censor to a degree and to to do that sort of thing it's just just, we're entering a different era and some of these the traditional old-fashioned ways of dealing with some of these things are are you can learn from them but they're not necessarily applicable i was talking with somebody the other day who uh, was talking about the whole first amendment you know the gun issue and uh challenged there is, you know, back in the day, it was for the control of a tyrannical government, so you couldn't, you know, so government wouldn't, couldn't be tyranny. But that was in the day of muskets, you know. It, they couldn't have envisioned uh, a day where you had the weaponry like we do today. So for them, obviously there's some creep on that whole concept. I mean, technically speaking, in, in light of what we had or what they had kind of envisioned there, uh, we should have, you know, the citizenry should have fighter jets and tanks and and all that sort of stuff as well, which is just absurd. You're not going to give that to the hands of citizens. So in some cases, this is where you have simply some creep in culture and there's an acceptability. And it has to come between uh, the two sides of, of a debate. And this is why the, for so many years it worked to have uh, Democrats and Republicans kind of divide power and, uh, you know, compromise was good for everybody. If you have it too much one way or too much the other, it benefits some, but it doesn't benefit all. So I don't want to just keep blabbing here, but these are just some of the difficult things that we're dealing with as a country. We're dealing with as people trying to understand. And on top of that, we're believers or Christians who believe in something that the world doesn't believe in. They don't, um, they don't see that uh, anything or they don't see into our worldview. They believe that we're just believing myths and fables. 
And Jesus, of course, warned us about these types of things, and Peter did as well. And he said, in the last days, there's going to be scoffers. And the scoffers, and he understood this based already on the principles of the Greco world or worldview, that they would scoff at the Hebraic nature of the gospel and the good news. And rather than embrace that narrative, which is really where our salvation comes from, they would, you know, today we have to have all these apologists, and I'm not dismissing apologists, it's an important uh, thing to do in the, especially with the academy and the academic world, but as a whole, we have to have apologists simply because we're so Greek, we're so Western, we're so Greco-Roman in our traits that we have to somehow, you know, we 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 think abstractly. We don't think narrative. We don't think story. Uh, we don't think like the like some of the Eastern uh, worldviews would, in the sense of uh, the Hebraic view, and uh, such a different such a different worldview. You know, the Jewish people they have a story, they have a history, they know it's their story, they know it's their history. And they have expectations for what God was going to do in the future. And that's what our faith is based on. To say Christianity is nothing more than a reinvented uh, Stoic philosophy where we apply Hebraic concepts to Stoicism. It's just, it's just not. It, th- th- honestly, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's, it's, you're, you present this Christianity of basically nothing more than philosophy. It's nothing more than Greco-Roman philosophy, and it makes you feel better. It helps you cope. It helps you feel intelligent. You know, it gives some meaning and purpose to life because you can debate and you can have mentors and, and just kind of that whole whatever, the whole, the whole way of doing things in that world. And it is what it is. I mean, humans make choices and they choose to do things a particular way and that's the way they're taught to do it. So they keep doing it. You know, that's, uh, no different for me. But when I look back and I, when I really grasp the story of the Bible, I just see how far we have drifted from its authentic, organic, uh, Hebraic nature. And it's simply about Israel. There's just no way around it. It's about Israel. It's, you know, people today want to say, well, it's the church and the church age. We're in the church age. It just, that's not the picture. I mean, yes, the church is a real thing, but it's the ecclesia, okay, or ecclesia. It's, it is, the concept of the church has, has, has unfortunately been tainted by, by, uh, or been hijacked, I should say, by people who, not did wanted little else than just power. They wanted to grab power. They wanted to take power and to claim that God is on their side and see how he's blessing us. And that, you know, blessing was the principal sign that God was in favor of what was taking place. That is, that's how the Greeks thought. Uh, that's how the Romans thought. That's how the whole world thought back in the day. The Roman gods were, were the great gods because they helped Rome conquer the world. You know, they just took that same philosophy and applied it. Uh, with this new Hebraic religion of Christianity, and next thing you know, it's you know the God of the Church basically is now going to help us conquer the world, and that led to all sorts of dominion theology and fulfillment theology, and all of these different theological systems that were nothing more than uh, interpolations of existing uh, Greco-Roman philosophical concepts and constructs, and so. I mean, I don't say that to try to confuse people. Uh, I don't. Tr- I don't say that to try to throw people off. People 
uh, I mean, I know people that get offended in my passion for Israel, my passion for the Jewish people, my passion for uh, the Jewish narrative of the Bible. I understand that people don't like that. They don't like hearing it. They kind of think, what's the point? You know, who cares? Nobody cares. Like, it doesn't matter. What what does it matter? Uh, what does it matter for me to, to know about the Hebrew roots of the faith? What does it matter uh, for me to know about... Uh, well, you name it. Just, just bibl- why care about calling Jesus Yeshua? Why care? Who cares? Nobody cares. Like Jesus is fine. We speak English, and I've taken heat for that over the years. I've definitely frustrated people, and there's people that don't like it, and people are uncomfortable with it, and probably not. I shouldn't say a lot, but there, there are definitely some that were, and I've. Okay, so is it worth being passionate about this or isn't it? I'm a person who tries to be reasonable. I try to be applicable. I try to use common sense, and uh, and I believe the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is he's not he's not the spirit of confusion, and he's not the spirit of stupidity. And that's those are big words to tie to to the title. And I'm not doing it to make fun. I'm 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 serious. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And what he will teach above all is truth. If you look at what uh, happened in the ancient times, uh, when you look at the spirit fell on somebody, there was a, the result was, yeah, there were powerful exploits, but they were done in very material ways, in very real ways, tangible ways. Like Bezalel, for instance, the spirit fell on him and he made the articles of the Ark uh, or the tabernacle, the Mishkan. Without the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have had the wisdom to do it. So it translated to wisdom. The same thing with Solomon. Solomon pursued, he wanted wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. And the impartation of the Spirit upon Solomon gave him wisdom. And what he understood with that wisdom is the futility of our pursuits on earth without the eternal context. If you read Solomon, it's some of the most depressing biblical literature there is because what he concludes is that it's all vanity and that's an important context because when you understand that life as we know it is vanity because of mortality then you'll understand the necessity for regeneration which is what god was after so we're we're mortal okay so what's the purpose of mortality well it's to bring an end to to a broken system, if you will. Okay, the decay cycle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it brings an end to an end to corruption and evil at, at some point. But ultimately, it will be swallowed up in immortality. And we read that those concepts in the New Testament. So the New Testament, the coming of Messiah, was this beautiful, magnificent reaching into the future of the day and age of the resurrection when we will rise again and we will live forever, eternally. And uh, it wasn't necessarily that we are then become spiritual, ethereal beings, uh, even though I do believe our spirits go to, to go to paradise um, if we're believers. And if you're not, I believe you go to, to uh, Hades or Sheol, which is a prison, for souls, I do believe that happens at death. So your spirit separates. It's not God's will that we're separated from our body forever. We will come back to it. And our earthly body that's made of dirt will come out of the ground and be reunited. And we will again be 
earthlings will again be but resurrected ones so that's the whole concept of salvation it's the whole plan why do i say all that because i find people getting so wrapped up into the politics and the the events of this world and of course it's great to have leaders who are in favor of our worldview and are in favor of things that we care about you know but if we're looking to that as our ultimate comfort in that God is for us or against us or for this country or against this country, it's irrelevant. I mean, countries rise, countries fall. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom must be proclaimed and God will ebb and flow nations and he'll switch out kings and whatever gives him the maximum exposure, he'll allow uh, things for whatever reason. I don't understand his ways. I don't understand why he allows things. I don't understand it. I don't understand why he did what he did to Job. I mean, I understand the results, but why? What is the purpose of putting somebody through so much tribulation, so much difficulty? You know, what, what good is that? How can that glorify you to see somebody just suffer? Those are hard questions that we don't really know the answers to, but you know, I've heard apologists talk about free will and, you know, it's has, you know, it's all about free will. And it is, but God didn't intend us to be stuck in this mud mess like we are. He wants to raise us out of it. And anyway, I'm just kind of rambling with this, but I, I, I want to summarize a little bit of what we're talking about. In the political era of things, I mean, let's just not put our hope in this stuff that somehow this is it, that a leader is our answer. Um Sure, I like comfort. I like security. I like peace. I like people who rule with uh, with the with the principles that I believe are important. That's what makes me comfortable. That's what I enjoy. But historically speaking, uh, this world has just not been friendly to believers. Period. So it's sad to see that we probably will 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 deal with some more pressure than what we have before, and that we've we had our moment of uh of you know tremendous liberty i guess and it's sad that there's going to be pressure against that i certainly do not think it's the end god can always turn something that was meant for evil and turn it into something good so to say that it's over and to be you know depressed about it absolutely not no way god is far more powerful than this situation is far more uh yeah, who knows what he has up his sleeve? It could simply be that he's setting the country up for a little bit of a taste of extreme, um, of extreme concept and idea to where the country will react and say that's not the answer either. We we never know. We just don't know. So we trust in God. We believe in Him. We know that um, all things will work together for good for them that love Him. We know we have beautiful promises in the Bible. That we will, we can rest and be in peace, and we don't have to be in turmoil over these things. We don't have to uh, be all caught up and 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 feel somehow that, you know, living in delusion. I, it's a huge issue today. People are just living in delusion. Unfortunately, previous administration simply, uh, simply put, based upon the evidence that I've seen put forward, it just they didn't have enough votes. Just that simple. And some people say, well, it's, you know, if you call it, I'm not even going to say it. It's not necessary because I'm not going to get keywords online. But everybody knows what I'm talking about. And look, the reality is either one thing. Either there was fraud or there wasn't. It was stolen or it wasn't. And I think 
time will tell. There's a lot of passionate people out there who are going to pursue this thing. And we'll know. With time, we'll know. We'll know what took place and what happened. But at the end of the day, just because we don't like an outcome does not give us the license to deny truth. If the truth is that the uh, current administration that has just come into power lawfully and fully legally won the election, they won the election. That's They won it, period. Say it's impossible. Say it's messed up. Say, you can say whatever you want. That's regardless. The truth of the matter is either there, there was a legal election and or there was an illegal election. It's that simple. And I think it's important. I was talking with the music uh, team at church about this. Um, there was some passion and uh, exchange going on. And you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't gain anything by trying to advocate a middle position. I mean, I voted for who I voted for in this last election, the one before, and I cast my vote. That's really all I can do. But I see it divides people, and that part that I, that I'm jealous for. That I that I don't like to see. I don't like to see believers who are so caught up into this thing that they could lose their faith. I'll be honest with you, I was kind of skeptical that that could happen, but I saw some people who uh, who saw this coming, saw that it's going to be a huge delusion for the church, and they started warning people not to uh, not to get caught up in it like this and not to buy in it. And I, I kind of pushed back against some of that. I'm talking about just people on Facebook and Instagram. I just said, let's just let it play out. It is what it is. But you know what? They were right. They were the ones who were sounding the warnings, and that people are going to—they're going to face some massive uh, disillusionment. Uh, probably lose their faith in Christianity because of they had such high hopes for a particular outcome, and when it doesn't happen, they'll be so confused. And and, and it simply is because they put so much hope in uh, in uh, someone, uh, an earthly individual, as opposed to what God wants. So, I don't know. I'm going to draw this to a close, so I want to thank you for uh, checking in again, and um, we'll talk about some more biblical themes here in the future. I'm actually going to start doing some videos and hopefully put those uh, on my YouTube channel where I just kind of go through some of the some of the things we've been studying. Uh, a group of us have been getting together and studying prophecy and, and uh, trying to dig in deeper, and I've come up with some different understandings or, or more clarity, and I want to present that uh, in a can of video form so people can benefit from it. Um, get some some good content out there. So blessings to you, and uh, until next time, shalom. Oh,